0: Hello again, my name is Nicholas McInerney, writer, teacher, podcaster and Rainbow Dad. Together with Richard Shannon, I produced the first series of Rainbow Dads in 2019. We had an amazing response from you, our listeners. The podcast introduced us to some wonderful LGBT plus organisations, earned several nominations and even won an award. But most moving was the sense that the lives we were sharing included yours. You weren't alone. So here we are with series two of Rainbow Dads. Four interviews, four dads, four extraordinarily different stories. These include coming out in the army, struggling with sex addiction, how a love of cricket Mm -hmm. led to self-acceptance and how being a gay dad becomes a lot more complicated when you also have a gay dad. Once again, we hope you find in these stories both the big events and the small but illuminating details, a mirror. We hope you enjoy Rainbow Dads 2. Hello and welcome to Rainbow Dads 2. Uh, my interviewee today is uh, Alistair Smith, uh, but uh, popularly known as Smudge. I have a little exercise I like to ask people. If you had five words to describe yourself, Smudge, what would those words be?
1: Oh, good question. Soldier, father, gay, depressed, autistic.
0: Oh, Wow. That's quite a range, isn't it? It
1: is. It's it fantastic. Is. I'm a very big fan of intersectionality, um, purely because I need to be. I, I have a, I have a plethora of I- I- of issues of, okay. um, from mental health to physical issues to yes. to my my sexual identity and all sorts of stuff like this. Yeah. And, Tell
0: me a little bit about your your background and growing up, and and, and also. How your, your first intimations of your own sexuality and how that was. So
1: I was born to English parents um, who emigrated to Australia in the 70s. My mum was the second to last uh, boat of the £10 migrant scheme. Okay. She left on a Friday and the last boat of the scheme ended on the Sunday.
0: Explain what that was. What was the £10 migrant
1: so scheme? So the £10 migrant scheme was in an effort to help build the population of the Commonwealth countries, predominantly Australia and Canada. Uh The offer was there that an individual would pay 10 pounds, which was probably about six months' wages at the time, and they would be given transport to uh, the country of their choice, Australia or Canada, and they had two years in which to establish themselves. They would have to find a job, they would have to secure accommodation, and they would have to settle in that time. If after the two years they were unsuccessful, they would be returned to the UK and would be subsequently liable to pay the full cost, which was probably about three years' worth of wages. Wow. so my mother went out in the late 1970s and she'd already had the letter stating she was going to Australia. So yes. she'd internationally searched for jobs for a lot of the newspapers back in the 70s. We didn't have the internet, so or they didn't. I say we, um, they didn't have the internet. So she'd gone out and she'd researched and she'd found a job working under a government contract in a remote town in the South Australian outback where the British and the American military had done a lot of nuclear testing historically and right. had also done some military testing and so she secured herself a job as a secretary and assistant there so she went out and while she was out there within the first year she'd met my father who yeah. had just divorced from his first wife right um was a single parent himself um and the rest of they say is history i right. came along in 1980 and then my younger sister in 1984. growing yeah. up in australia it was probably back in the 1980s and into the early 90s. Australia was probably about 10 years behind the yes. UK in cultural understanding and and normalities.
0: So your parents' attitudes, if if, if gayness came up as a conversation, your parents would have just reflected that uh cultural homophobia, or, or were or were they different? When my they my
1: mum was quite liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum was uh, very much a feminist. Um, and she was one of four sisters, so she she and she'd had
0: gone out to Australia, to, and she to she'd gone out Australia to on her exactly. own, absolutely.
1: So, and so she was she was a very very proud feminist woman. So I, I don't ever recall any any potential issues right. from my mum. Um, I tell a lie actually. I've just had a, a, a recollection of a memory. I'd I had a magazine. And I think it was one of the early sort of men's standard magazines. It wasn't a, it wasn't a grotty magazine or anything like that. And I remember my mum knocking on my door one day. I wasn't supposed to have my bedroom door closed purely nice. because we would just had the floor tiled and it was going to mess with the grout. And I was reading this magazine and I was pleasuring myself from this magazine because of some scantily clad men, uh, circus performers uh, okay. more than anything else and my mum knocked on my door and then burst in so there was a quick shuffle of throwing the magazine down the side of the bed and trying to adjust myself and she called me over and i uh, it was it was clear that i i was aroused yeah and she called me out and said what have you been doing in here what have you been looking at right and i just remember feeling absolutely terrified of what do i tell her i've yes. been looking at and so i fished the magazine tentatively fished the magazine out from the side of my bed And I remember flicking through it, going, I'm just trying to find the page. I'm just trying to. It was clearly marked. Whether she saw that or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Until I found a picture of a semi-scantily clad woman and said, you know, I'm enjoying myself to this. And she went, well, that's inappropriate to women. Don't do that again. And and that that was (laughs) it. So I, I think potentially my mother... My mother was relatively okay about it, and I, I don't know whether she thought maybe at the time I was too young to have that conversation about uh, the respect for women and the the, the yes. feminism side of things.
0: But that, but that, um, just to take you back to that moment when you thought you were about to be found out—that mm-hmm. is quite, I think, for all gay people of a certain generation, that's a really little triggering moment for all of us. Because I'm immediately thinking of those moments in my life yes. when that could have happened, and. Um, that, that sense of the sort of sheer terror of, of having to be having to be really o- honest about something and the dread of what that might I mean. think
1: I maybe had that subconscious understanding of my mum and knowing that she wouldn't have been such uh, a, a she, it wouldn't have been such a problem. You sense thing that she would her, have been quite accepted. But yes. I don't think I. It, it took me a very long time until I was ready to admit it to myself. Okay. So back back then, it would have been a case of I don't want to tell my parents this. I don't want to tell my. De- definitively felt that I never wanted to tell my dad. Yes. I don't ever recall any particular homophobic language or. In fact, I tell again. I tell a, I tell a minor porky pie there. I I do remember you know occasional quips about queers and faggots yes and but it was never in a a venomant, aggressive hatred sort of way i think that was my father's ex-military background and being the head of the family this was his i I have this job to make these comments as the societal norm um sorry
0: go back to go back to your teenage years i just just intrigued you talked because i do think the the conflict in in identity can often be around kind of you know where is home what is my cultural you know where do i land culturally as well as sexuality can all kind of feed into each other and i think you've already picked up on this idea the the interconnectedness of your your story so anyway yes
1: i hitting my teenage years was when the realization potentially came that maybe i don't fit into the box because i am gay and i had nobody to turn to for that and therefore nobody to sort of express and try and talk through my feelings and understand I still wasn't ready to tell my parents about this Um, I spoke to somebody I thought was a friend and said this is potentially how I feel this is potentially what I am and they took that information and let it out to the rest of the world when I say the rest of the world they told the rest of the school my high school remote Australian high school we never had more than 200 students across all year groups most schools in the UK now have 200 students in a year group this was across all year groups. Wow. So probably by the end of that day everybody knew about it.
0: Okay, let's let's stop there. Let's talk because I yep. you know, this absolutely just is my nightmare when I was at school. Absolutely like, night. This is the thing that would literally terrify me more than anything else. How how and it's such a betrayal of trust as well. It's an extraordinary it's the kind of thing that can really damage you. Yeah. So can I just uh, get a little bit more about from your sense of that moment and and, and how that was for you when you realised that this had gone viral? Uh,
1: the, yeah. Yeah, the, the viral then. Viral in <laughs> the 1990s. <laughs> 90, yes. 90s. Um, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Yeah. Um, and I still... I still... Uh, I had this deep fear of what was going to happen uh, mixed in with also this big fear of... What, what What would my parents say? More so than the upset. I, I, I sometimes thought outside of the upset of them being told that I was gay yes. to the fact that somebody else had told them rather than me.
0: Okay, so the real mix of things. There is stuff about my boarding school. My nickname was Madge after a Palmolive over. There's yeah. stuff now which I, I can do most of the bad things that happened to me knowing that is the one thing that can still actually get me quite emotional because yeah. it's the one thing that really 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 hurts and mm-hmm. it sounds like this is one of those little watershed moments it's something that you can't come back from can you it kind of changes the way that the world sees you and uh, absolutely yeah.
1: it, this had this had writing the notes when I when I was getting ready for this yes uh, again it was a, a, an epiphany moment when i realized this has in that period of time has then influenced every decision I have made subsequently Um, after the news sort of spread around the school I was probably about 13 14 possibly even a little bit older um, it turned violent because remote Australia communities there was venomous words were spat at me you know and and that's the whole point of what some were of you the, called I, smudge i was a faggot i was a queer i was a pillow biter i was a banana bent the list is endless <laughs>
0: new ones you hadn't even heard yeah, of yeah
1: <laughs> exactly you know um and it wasn't so much as an adult now in the military some of these words are used in a comedic value yes within the military banter sphere Within your
0: circle of friends, we can use these words. absolutely, uh, And they're, they're words of affection.
1: Yes. Um, but then, and, and I understand the English language to the extent that <coughs> the effect a plosive word has. And th- all of these words were spat at me. Um, I was bullied verbally. I was bullied emotionally. I used to have letters stuffed into my bag we didn't have lockers we used to have letters and notes of, of, of violent threats and, and graphic images of what was going to happen to me put into my bag um i used to be attacked on a regular basis i uh, there were occasions i would i woke i woke up most days probably from 15 to 16 14 to 15 uh, i woke up most days knowing i was going to probably get into a fight that day
0: and your parent uh, and did your parents have any Inkling of what was happening? No,
1: no, I didn't. I still was not ready to tell them. Um, this so I so
0: relate to this. This yeah. is like being at boarding school, and it's a close society. Yeah. The, 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 it, we talked a little bit earlier about people at war and how they would come back. And it's Sebastian Faulks's fantastic mm-hmm. book. The yeah. best part for me is when they come home and they just don't tell yeah. people what the horror of what's happening because those people d- would not understand. And yep. when I was at my boarding school, I, exactly, my parents had no idea what yeah.
1: was really going you, you on. You come home at the end of the day, or at the end of the term, in your yeah. case, and you're all smiling Absolutely. and happy, and, and there's this internal um, anguish and this is internal troubles, but you you can't or don't want to tell somebody about. Yeah, um, I used to. There was occasions I would walk an extra two miles to school to avoid certain areas where I'd been ambushed previously, depending on the, the mood of the day. And I I had been bullied at school prior to all of this in in smaller parts because I had a slightly different accent with with English parents not Australian I had a slightly more unique accent I was I was a little bit uh, artistic was how my dad used to describe it I loved drama <laughs> um, and uh, we, we used to have family gatherings and I would get my sister and my nieces together and we would pick a song off a uh, random 1970s cassette my dad have and we would perform a, a, a dance yeah. to it so I had historically been bullied but I never told my parents the intensity had gone up and also for why I spoke to teachers when it when times were getting a bit troublesome I'd gone to teachers and I told them I was being picked on or being bullied because well, I didn't tell them why
0: mm-hmm.
1: but get again I wasn't aware of their reactions I wasn't certain on I wasn't certain I was gay, but also in reminiscence of things like the Section 28 generation over here in the UK, I didn't know how how it would be perceived, what the legalities. So you were thought, that school. even if you'd
0: plucked up the courage to tell a teacher, that could have created even more trouble for Absolutely,
1: you. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, when I did tell teachers, it was "man up," the the age old phrase of "man up." Um, it will build character. Um, you know, it was it was brushed under the carpet. Whether they knew what the bullying was about and didn't want to deal with it or whether they'd been fed up of me being a whinger. I was called a whinger by my headmaster on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. On one occasion, I was told to stop whinging, get some backbone about me and become a man whilst in his office with blood streaming down my face from uh, a bloody nose. Poignant memory is I always remember after the realization that I was probably gay, I always remember feeling alone, I felt so isolated mm-hmm. again, no role models, nobody else in the school. Mm-hmm. I remember n- never so much crying myself to sleep, but I remember having fantasies about if I had the science and technology my mum made me watch things like star trek and doctor who and i always used to think of them and and feel so enamored with them thinking if i could develop the technology to recreate a clone of myself because i felt like i was the only person who would understand me and this was as i was coming into that puberty stage of the sexual realization and the the sexual where most people would start their sexual activity and you go to school and the lads would be bragging about you Mm. know having been masturbated by a girlfriend or somebody and 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 the handful of students said oh my girlfriend goes to another school whether they had them or not for me it was there was nothing Mm. absolutely nothing and I used to think I felt so isolated and alone I wished I could clone myself so that I could have some of this sexual fun with somebody who would know and understand then then a student came to the school he was from England I cannot for the life of me remember his name But we used to call him the Pom, (laughs) uh, the age-old English term for anybody, uh, for for any, the age-old Australian term for anybody from England. And he was camp. Whether he ever admitted to anybody he was gay or not, I don't know. And I remember he was bullied as well, but he seemed to cope with it a lot better. And I remember having a conversation with him. How the conversation struck up, I don't remember, but it was, and it was, it was intrepid and it was it was it was dirty and it was it was it was, it was it was intense and we'd yes. agreed to, to go for a toilet break at the same time yes. at school and show each other our penises and that was probably the first sexual encounter I had for a very long time yes. uh, and then for a very long time again after that so coming into that sexual entity of me um, that was the one and only gay sexual experience I had and that wasn't even physical. and I then didn't have anything else other than my own self-gratification until I lost my virginity to a woman at 18 because I was in the military. I had the opportunity for my 18th birthday. My dad said, do you want a car or do you want a holiday? And I thought, if I let my dad buy me a car, it's going to be absolutely atrocious. Subsequently, it turned out he'd saved a lot of money and was going to buy me a brand new car. Oh. But hey-ho, hindsight. <laughs> um, so I, I decided to take a holiday. Mum had been to the UK for a year visiting the family. My grandfather oh. had passed away in my absence. Um, and I decided I hadn't seen my family here in the UK for, well, s- since I was eight, probably, I think, back in 1988. So I decided to come to the UK for a holiday. Um, whilst I was here I spoke to my uncle who said to me well you've applied for the Australian forces you have dual citizenship why not apply for the British forces
0: and had that thought not occurred to you at that point
1: at that point I was still on holiday so I'd come over for a three-week holiday with every every intention of going back Hmm. I realized there was more opportunity for work for me here cash in hand than Australia doesn't do that sort of or didn't do that sort of thing back there or I was aware of And so I went into a armed forces careers office and I went to the Navy desk and I was told unfortunately because you have to, to to gain security clearance you have to have been resident for two years. Irrespective of your citizenship, you have to be resident in the UK. So the Navy was a no. The Air Force was a no, Same, same thing. And an army sergeant was walking behind these two individuals at the same time and went, well we'll take you, that's not an issue for us. So I went back to where I was living in Margate at the time, uh, told to go to the careers office in Canterbury, and I started going through the process. Mm. There was no psychological interviewing. There is a selection process that is done to see your physical fitness and your interaction with other people, but there is absolutely no psychological concern there. But I remember sitting down for an interview with the recruiter, and he goes through a series of questions, and I became an army recruiter myself later on in my career, and I did exactly the same process. Mm-hmm. And you sit down and you talk to the individual about their family, you're developing a picture about them to see where there may be issues that may cause them concerns, purely for the training factor, because it's intensive and it costs the MOD a lot of mm-hmm. money. That was the party line. Um, and he sat down and he said, I'll oh, tell me about your family, tell me about this. Do you have a girlfriend? No. Do you have a boyfriend? off the bat no pause no Mm. thought or consideration and I was taken aback and I went no it was not something that had ever crossed my mind and I think that had suddenly put all these red flags back up again going don't tell don't tell don't tell and he said to me afterwards he said do you know why I asked you that question and I was intrigued that thinking am I giving off these gay vibes am I am I do you think I'm gay and he said no we don't um, we asked that question because homosexuality is not allowed in the armed forces and we try to weed out the undesirables in the early stages that were they were his words
0: so joining the army was both a way of finding your tribe and your family but it was a way of kicking you right back into the closet again
1: for me personally yes yeah it's it's this great place you will meet a family you will have hundreds of brothers and sisters yeah. and dads and uncles but you can't be gay don't don't be gay it's not allowed don't do it